This morning, we're beginning a brand new series that we're calling I Am, which is really a study of the compound names of God. And so uh, why study the names of God? Well, because in the Bi- in Bible times, a name represented a person's character. And so really, God's name represents his character, his attributes, and his nature. And so to, to know his name is to know him and to have the ability to put greater faith and trust in the Lord. Amen? We need to know who he is. Psalm 9 and verse 10 says this, Those who know your name will trust in you. Those who know your name. Knowing God, what God's name really means builds our faith. And it helps us to receive from God. You know, listen, if you don't know who God is, how are you going to put your faith and trust in him, right? When the children of Israel, remember, whenever they were uh, living under the oppression of Pharaoh in Egypt. In fact, you might have watched the Ten Commandments last night. But, you know, whenever they were under the oppression of Pharaoh in Egypt, God heard their cry when they cried out to him. And God called Moses to deliver them from the Egyptian bondage. You remember that? And so, but Moses was very concerned. He says, Lord, whenever you send me over to the Israelites and you tell them, and I tell them that I was sent by you, what if they don't believe me? What, what, what should I tell them if they ask me, who sent you, by the way? And this is what he said in Exodus 3.13. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. So the Lord tells Moses, if they ask you, if they ask you who sent you, if they ask you what's his name, this is what I want you to tell them. Just tell them this, I am sent you. I am sent you. Now the question is, what does I am mean? I mean, that, that don't give you much information. Now in the original, I am means I will be what I will be. In other words, listen, I am is really referring to all that encompasses the nature and character and attributes of God's name. So in other words, what does I am mean? It means it describes all that God is. I am healer. I am provider. I am deliverer. I am peace. I am the resurrection. I am eternal life. I am the first and the last, the beginning and the end. It means God is all-knowing, all-powerful, and he's the all-sufficient one. That's what I am means. Amen. Now, why do we know, why do we need to know what God's name means? Because what you know about God determines what you receive from God. See, the reality is some people don't receive much from God. Why? They are limited in their understanding and their knowledge of who God is. The more you know about God, the more you will experience God. Can I tell you this morning, the more you know about God, the more you can experience God's miraculous power working in your life. Amen. Now, to begin this series, we we chose a compound name of God that ties in with Easter Sunday. I think that's a good idea. What about you? It's Jehovah Nisi. The Lord is our banner. Now, in the Old Testament, the banner represented victory or represents victory. In Exodus 17, it's this powerful story that helps remind us of the Lord's ability to give us victory no matter what we go through. How many of you know that? Some of you need to know that this morning, that the Lord can give you victory no matter where, where you are, what you're going through. In Exodus 17 is a story of Israel's first battle after they got delivered from Egypt. They're in the Valley of Rephidim. In the Valley of Rephidim, they had to face the most powerful tribe in the valley called the Amalekites. Of all the tribes in the valley, this was the greatest one. It's the first battle they had to face. The Amalekites came out into the valley to attack Israel, uh, intending, of course, to defeat them and plunder all of their spoils. And most importantly, their intention was to keep the Israelites out of the promised land that God had promised for them. And so the Amalekites intended to keep God's people from the promised land. Now, this, this is key. 
But obviously, how many of you know God had a different plan, right? God had a different plan. And so I got to read the story. It's a few verses, and we're not going to have them up here, so you might want to pull out your phone or your laptop or your Bible, whatever you have. In Exodus chapter 17 is this incredible story, and and I don't want to read it to you. It says, while the people of Israel were still at Rephidim, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. Moses commanded Joshua, choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. Tomorrow, I will stand at the top of the hill holding the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur climbed the top of a nearby hill. As long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hand, the Amalekites gained the advantage. Moses' arms soon became so tired he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on. They stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands, so his hands held steady until sunset. As a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. And after the victory, the Lord instructed Moses, write this down on a scroll as a permanent reminder and read it aloud to Joshua. I will erase the memory of Amalek from under heaven. So Moses built an altar there and named it Yahweh Nisi or Jehovah Nisi, which means the Lord is my banner. He said they have raised their fist against the Lord's throne. So now the Lord will be at war with Amalek from generation to generation. Now that's a wonderful story of an improbable victory the Lord gave the Israelites in the valley of Rephidim. Now, you know, the, the story has great significance because after they defeated Amalek, Moses built an altar there just to signify God's deliverance and, and, and in worship to God. He built an altar there in the valley and he called it Yahweh or Jehovah Nisi, which means the Lord is my banner. The Lord is my victory. You know, why did Moses name the altar, the Lord is my banner? Well, to understand this, you have to know a little bit about biblical history. In biblical history, in biblical times, the banner was used. It was this long pole, and and it had this uh, sort of insignia or this uh, ornament made out of, of, of bright, shiny metal. And, and it would, they would wrap the insignia or the, or the, the ornament with it. And so whenever the sun would shine, it would glisten over that ornament. And so they used the banner whenever they were in battle. They would raise the banner up and the sun would shine and it would grab the attention of all the troops. And then at the same time, they would blow a trumpet. They would blow this trumpet blast that was very piercing and that would could just go for miles and it would grab the attention of the Israelites. And so the purpose of raising the banner was to encourage and rally the troops. When the banner was raised, the trumpet sounded and the troops found newfound strength and hope that God would come to their aid and help them deliver them from their enemy. It was the rallying point that would infuse the soldiers. It would fuse the the army with motivation. It would unite the troops, oftentimes turning the tide of the battle and deciding the victory. And that's how it became known as the banner of victory. So the banner became known as the symbol of victory. And so one of the names of God is the Lord is my banner. So when Moses named the altar, the Lord is my banner, what he was really declaring is, is the Lord is my victory. That's what he was saying. The Lord is my victory. Amen. Now listen, just as the banner represented victory in the Old Testament, how many of you know the cross represents victory in the New Testament? It was the cross. It was there. There, You know, there's great significance in the very last words that Jesus uttered when he died on the cross. Remember what he said in John 19, 29 says, a jar of sour wine was sitting there. So they soaked a sponge in it. And here he is dying on the cross. And they put on a hyssop branch and they held it up to his lips. And when Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and he released his spirit. The very last words that Jesus uttered before he died on the cross was, it 
is finished. Now the question is, what did Jesus mean? What did he mean when he said it is finished? Well, I think first of all, when he said it is finished, what he was saying was he had completed his father's purpose. How many of you know that's why Jesus came? He came to die on the cross. In John 4, 34, Jesus says, my food, in other words, where I get my nourishment, where I get my strength, is to do what God wants me. He is the one who sent me, and I must finish the work. Jesus had one goal in mind. His entire life on earth was for this one purpose, and it was to accomplish the Father's will. He just wanted to do what God wanted him to do. No, we must remember, Jesus wasn't taken away. Uh, his life wasn't taken away from him. Jesus willingly gave his life, right? He gave his life to, to be crucified to fulfill the Lord's purpose. When Jesus said it is finished, he was saying, I'm, I'm finished. I'm, I'm done. And listen, when Jesus said it's finished, he wasn't saying I'm finished like I'm lost. I'm, I'm, I'm defeated. He meant my job is done. The work is over. Jesus had fulfilled the, and accomplished the work of the Lord. But the second thing is that when Jesus said it was finished, I believe he had officially conquered sin and death. He officially broke the grip of the power of sin over our lives, right? In Romans 5, 7, uh, 17, for the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death. Through this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation to everyone. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Hey, folks, when Jesus said it's finished, he was declaring no longer do we have to be in bondage to sin. We don't have to live under addictions. We don't have to live under the weight and the penalty of sin any longer. We can get set free from every addiction and every hole that the enemy tries to put on us. Amen. How I many of you know that's good news this morning? When he said it is finished, I believe he said he was saying, he was declaring, I've defeated the devil once and for all. Listen, from a human standpoint, when Jesus died, it may have seemed like Jesus was defeated. I'm sure all the Roman soldiers said, we got rid of him. He was trying to mess up our, our, our life. He was trying to turn this, this area upside down. We got him now. The devil and his demons thought they had won. Satan thought he had finished with this dreamer that was going to save the world. But how many of you know that wasn't true? Satan was sadly mistaken because three days later, Jesus rose from the grave, securing once and for all our victory for our entire eternity. Amen. Colossians 2.15 says, God stripped the spiritual rulers and powers of his authority with the cross. He won the victory and he showed the world that they were powerless. Amen. Let's remember that Easter just stripped the devil and his demons of their power and authority over your life. You no longer have to live. Listen, he might, well, he might try to stop a screen from working, but he can't stop you. He can't stop you from your purpose and God's plan for your life. Amen. And finally, I think what Jesus was talking about when he said it was finished, he opened the way to all of the Father's resources and provisions. When Jesus died on the cross, you know, the scripture gives us an important de detail. It says in Matthew 27, 50, and Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and he yielded up his spirit. And behold, the veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom. Now, most of us have been in church in a while understand what that means. What's the significance of the veil tearing? But the veil wasn't a, a skinny sheet of, of cloth. It was a thick veil that it was impossible for man to, to tear. And all of a sudden, when Jesus died on the cross, the veil that was that held the uh, people out of the presence of God, held people out of the, the, the grace of God, it tore from top to bottom. And it's, it's significant in what it means. It, the, the, 
the, the veil tearing, it means three things that we can all have access into the presence of God. Amen. Listen, we don't have to live like a, a stepchild or someone that's not included outside in the lobby. We can all come boldly into the presence of God. Amen. We can all receive God's presence and God's Holy Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord is available to each and every one of us. I don't know if you have the Holy Spirit in your life, but when you become a child of God, you get infused, not with just a little bit of encouragement, but you get infused with the resurrecting power of Jesus Christ. Amen. You know what it does? It gives us access into all that God has, all of his resources. You see, resurrection reminds us all that Jesus that Jesus paid it all for us. Amen. And so we need to be, we need to be encouraged today that when Jesus died on the cross, he paid it all. Amen. He gave it all. So listen, Moses represents the banner represents victory. The cross represents victory. Just as Moses said, the banner is the victory. The New Testament says the cross is the victory. That's why Easter is so important. Listen, it's not this religious holiday where we just eat, you know, we, we dye Easter eggs and eat Easter candy and ball crawfish. No, this Sunday, Easter Sunday is a reminder that as children of God, we don't have to live defeated and discouraged. We can live a victorious life. Amen. Amen. Yes. And so, you know, now listen, Jesus, Jesus paid it all. He said it is finished. But now listen, even though we've been called and destined to live in victory through the power of the cross, many times we don't live in victory. Now, can we just get, can we just get practical here this morning? Easter is about living in victory. Easter is about getting past defeat and discouragement. And sometimes we live in defeat. We live defeated in our mind. We live defeated in our spirit. Sometimes we live defeated in our circumstances. Listen, Jesus didn't come out of the grave just so we could celebrate an empty tomb. Jesus came out of the grave so we could live victoriously. Amen. And so listen, I just want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you. How do you get to that place of breakthrough? How do you live in victory? Well, you gotta, you gotta provide. You gotta, you gotta use the provisions of God. And I want to just spend the rest of our time this morning just talk about the four conditions of living a life of victory. Because the reality is I found that just because I said to Jesus, Lord, I want you to forgive my sins. I give my life to you doesn't mean I live in victory. And so this is what I believe the Lord told me to tell you today. You need, to, you need to quit getting wrapped up in the trappings of Easter and start living the power of Easter. You need to quit live, you need to quit just listening to all the, all the humbug out there and start tapping into the power that Jesus gave you when it, when it came out of the tomb. Amen. And some of you right now need to hear this. And I'm believing, I'm just, I'm, my heart is filled with faith, believing that something supernatural is going to happen for somebody in this room today. Amen. Here it goes. The first condition to living a life of victory is learn to continually depend on God for help. You got to learn to raise your hands towards heaven as Moses did. Remember, Moses told Joshua, Joshua, you go in the valley and bring some soldiers and go fight Amalek. Me and Aaron and her are going to go up here on the hill and I'm going to raise my hands towards heaven. And so the Bible says that when Moses held his hands up, Israel prevailed. You know what that's telling me? The uplifted hands of Moses is a symbol. It's a symbol of Moses depending on God. Moses teaches us a valuable lesson. The lesson is this. We need to learn how to depend on God for our provision, not man. And so listen, a lot of times we don't get a breakthrough because we spend more effort trying to solve our problem in our own strength than we are trying to depend on God to give us the victory. Amen? So listen, what, what we, we often forget is our battles, listen, are not won by relying on our own strength and ability. Our battles are won by relying on the Lord's help. 
Can I get a better amen? Hey, listen, the Lord is my victory. If we could just remember, God answers prayer. Do y'all believe that this morning? Jeremiah 3, 33, says, call to me, hey, and I will answer you. And I will tell you great and mighty things which you do not know. Call to me and I will answer you. How many of you know if God promises something, God's going to come through with it. Amen. If we could just remember prayer releases the grace of God in our life. Remember when Paul was going through this great trial in his life, he had what he called a thorn in his flesh. And he prayed and he sought the Lord. He prayed for the Lord to help him. And this is what the Lord told him. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Listen, the darkest hour of your life is an opportunity to experience God's greatest blessing in your life. When you're weak, God can be made strong. If you're going through a dark time right now, you are a greater candidate to experience the resurrecting power of Jesus than anybody else in this room. But we got to depend on the Lord, right? You got to depend on the Lord. Listen, if we could just remember, prayer makes miracles happen. James 5, 16 says, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Listen, why is prayer so powerful? It's because we're depending on Him. See, listen, I can, I can be a Christian and depend more on the arm of my flesh than I am on God. We can be, we can love God, we can believe in God and depend totally on others and depend on ourselves instead of depending on God. But my friend, when we learn to lift our hands towards heaven and we say, God, I need your help, something supernatural is going to begin to happen in your life. Come on, does anybody believe this this morning? I, I have to tell this, I have to share this story with you. Uh, you know, back in January, we did this, uh, this campaign called Teach Us to Pray. And, and, and many of you participated in that. We, we had small groups and we did a small lesson. We talked about that. Well, Chaplain Alex, who uh, was here and comes to church here, and she said, you know what? I think I'm going to do that in Lafayette Perry's Correctional Center. And so she decided to have a, uh, a small group with, with some men, any, any man that was willing to fast and pray. So at the end of the, 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 uh, the four weeks, she decided to give them a certificate of completion and asked me to come and participate in the, in the, in the, the banquet. And so I'm there at LPCC and these guys come in. They got a table set out. They fed them pizza, which is a great treat for them. And one by one, the guys got up and they started testifying. And some of these guys, they had to get permission like Daniel to fast. Because, of course, you can't stop eating in Lafayette Parish Correctional Center without the authorities giving you okay to do it. Because if you, if you harm your life, if you, if you uh, negatively affect your life, then they'll be responsible. So they had to get permission. And they were granted permission to fast one meal a day. And so one meal a day, they weren't going down to the diner to eat. They stayed in their cell fasting and praying. And so they got up and they started sharing the testimonies. One guy got up and said, man, I got a healing in my body. Another guy got up and said, man, my mom was sick and they didn't know what was wrong with her. She got healed. One guy stood up and, and, and I just, I was just, um, uh, just amazed at what God did in his life. This guy, I don't know what he did, but he was getting ready to get sentenced. He was going to court and he was going to get sentenced. And from his testimony, he, it looked like he may never see the light of day. But on the day that he went to trial, the victim of whatever crime he committed showed up and said, listen, I have forgiven him for what he's done to me. I release him from the charges and they were totally dropped. Wow. Wow. Well, there wasn't one, just one charge, so he had to stay there. But you know what? He said, man, before I came to court, I didn't, it didn't look like I was going to ever see the light of day. Now I'm going to get out of here and I'm going to get to see my family. 
And it didn't stop there. His mom was gravely ill and they couldn't find out what was wrong with her. They, they were too intense. They couldn't find out. And all of a sudden she gets this miracle and she's totally healed. They don't know why and they don't understand it, but now she's well and they let her go out of the hospital. And so he's rejoicing. His mom's still alive. And then the th third thing, he had a daughter that wouldn't talk to him because of his behavior, because of the embarrassment. Didn't want to have nothing to do with him. And during prayer and fasting, she sent him a letter and she decided, I want to talk to you. She said, I want to start a relationship with you. And the guy's relationship with his daughter was restored. What am I trying to tell you? I'm trying to tell you that the Lord is our victory. And listen, Christianity is not going to church on Easter Sunday and wearing your Sunday best and just rejoicing because the tomb is empty. Easter Sunday is about a God who loves you and a God who wants to help you. And if you do like Moses and learn to lift your hands towards heaven and say, Lord, I need your help. And listen, the Lord knows how to defeat Amalek in your life. He knows how to break the power of the enemy in your life. Amen. Yes, indeed. The Bible says that you have to continually seek the Lord, not just one time. And you know... The condition is to continually depend on God. In other words, you can't just, you know, just make God a priority on Easter Sunday and Christmas Eve. You got to make God a priority every day of your life. Amen. Listen, as long as Moses held the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hands, the Amalite, the Amalekites gained the advantage. You know what this verse is telling me? I can't stop praying. I can't stop depending on God. Oh, it's great that we fasted and prayed in January, but what about April? Come on, are y'all with me out there? What about April? Am I going to depend on God? And I'm going to turn to God. Am I going to raise my hands towards heaven and say, God, I need your help. Listen, we can't quit praying. Listen, when we pray, we overcome the most difficult circumstances. When we quit praying, we stay stuck in our circumstances. Whenever we quit praying, the enemy starts getting the upper hand. But when we keep praying, the enemy is defeated. Amen. The Bible says in Galatians 6, don't get tired of doing what is good at just the right time. We will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Amen. If you got that, say, I got that. The second condition to living a life of victory is you got to learn to rely on God's people. I think we totally underestimate the power of God's people, the power of Christians around you. Listen, we don't need a lot of great godly relationships, but we need some. We need some. Notice what happened when Moses was up on the hill praying. The Bible says that his hands grew heavy. In verse 11, as long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. Whenever he dropped his hand, the Amalekites, the Amalekites gained the advantage. Let me stop you for a moment. Have you ever been in a, time, in a time in your life where your hands seemed so heavy that you couldn't even lift them up yourself to pray? Moses' arms soon became so tired he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on. And they stood on each side of Moses holding up his hands. So his hands held steady until sunset. And as a result, Joshua, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in the battle. You see, Aaron and Hur were responsible for holding Moses' hands up when he got so tired that he couldn't hold him up himself. And the scripture tells us that they sat him on a rock and they got on each side, they stood on each side and they held up his hands. Listen, folks, everybody needs an Aaron and a her in their life. Listen, we're living in a day and an age where we've got broken relationships everywhere. And we're getting, it's being, it's being more and more difficult for us to build relationships because of all the hurt and the wounds and the rejection. But we got to have errands and hers in our life. Amen. Sometimes the battle of life is too long and it's too hard for you to win the battle by yourself. You need an errand and you need a her. We need friends. We need prayer partners. Amen. Whenever I think about this, I think about, I think about Tanya's mom and dad. 
Many of you know them. Mr. Aaron and Miss Louise. They hadn't got a chance to come to this church since October. They're in the battle. They're in a major battle right now. Mr. Aaron had that seizure, broke, broke both pelvic bones, his, his shoulder and all that stuff. He's still trying to learn how to walk on his own right now. He's in a battle. And he told me, and listen, he told me there's no way we could go through this without help. And in tears, he told me the other day, he said, Todd, he said, it's bad when you get to a place where you don't even have the strength to pray for yourself. And you need other people to pray you out. You need an Aaron and you need a her in your life. That's why we encourage people to get in life groups. That's why we can encourage people to get connected in the body of Christ. Because we need each other. If I cut my arm off and threw it over there, my arm won't live in victory. But if I connect that arm to my body, my arm's going to live in victory because it's got the help of the body to live in victory. Amen. We need to rely on God's people. Number three, we got to utilize the power of the Holy Spirit. I want you to notice something that I think is significant in the story of Moses up on the hill. Moses, in, in Exodus 17, 9, Moses commanded Joshua, Choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us tomorrow. I will stand at the top of the hill holding the staff of God in my hand. There's significance in the staff of God in his hand. Remember the staff of God symbolized Israel's total dependence on the power and authority of God. Remember when God called Moses and he said, what's in your hand? And he said, throw it down. Remember that story? The staff of God represented the power and the authority of God. See, Moses didn't rely on his own power to make it through the battle. Moses relied on the power and the authority of God to get through his battle. Folks, we need the Holy Spirit. If you don't have the Holy Spirit operating in your life, you're, listen, and you, if the church don't have the Spirit of God operating in it, we got a country club. Amen. Come on. If you don't have the power of the Holy Spirit operating in your life, you're powerless to win your battle. Amen. Moses didn't rely on his power. He relied on the authority of God. There's a reason why he raised the, the staff of God. He said, God, I need your power, your authority. Amalek is a type of adversary. And if we are going to defeat our enemy, we need to use the authority and power of the Holy Spirit to defeat our enemy. Listen, when Jesus raised his arms on the cross and died and the veil of the temple was rent, it signified that he gave us power. He gave us authority. We can tap into the Holy Spirit. We don't have to live a powerless life. We can live a powerful life. Amen. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, in Luke 10, 19, I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. God has given us spiritual authority. If you're a child of God, you have spiritual authority. But it does you no good unless you learn to exercise it. We need to hold our staff over our heads in prayer. And we need to use her spiritual authority. And in my mind, what that means is to learn how to bind and loose. We need to learn how to bind up the enemy. When they told me the screen wasn't working, the first thing I wanted to do is bind up the enemy. Amen. Listen, some of you wake up in the morning and you're discouraged and you're depressed and it has nothing to do with your circumstance. It's the enemy trying to clothe you with depression and discouragement. And you need to use the name and the authority of the name of Jesus and break that off of your life. If you want to live in victory, you need to utilize it. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Come on, listen, sometimes we get so caught up in fighting flesh and blood that we don't take the time to find out, to, to deal with the force that's behind the flesh and blood. His name is Satan. His name is the devil, Lucifer. Amen. He's, it's satanic demon spirits that try to rob us of victory as a Christian. Amen. But I want you to know 
God has given you authority. Mark 16, 17 says, these signs will accompany those that believe in my name. They will drive off demons, amen. Listen, there ain't nothing special about me, but I'm telling you the one that's inside of me is special and I have power that I don't have on my own. I have power because of the resurrecting power of Jesus that's on the inside of me. And if you're a born again Christian, they might not be much to you in the natural, but I'm telling you something, there is something about you that is supernatural and it's the resurrecting power of Jesus that's alive on the inside of you, amen. Yes. Praise the Lord. The fourth condition of living a life of victory is utilizing the power of God's word. The power of God's word. You know, so far we we focus we focus a lot on Moses and what he was doing on the hill. But you know, when you think about what Joshua was doing in the valley, Moses said, "I'm going up on the hill." Okay, Joshua was probably thinking, "Let me go on the hill, Moses. You come down here." But Joshua was the one in the heat of the battle, right? And the Bible says in Exodus 17, 13, so Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people, listen, with the edge of the sword. With the edge of the sword. Notice, Joshua didn't go to battle empty-handed. Joshua went to battle with the sword in his hand. With the sword. The Bible says the sword represents the word of God. In Ephesians 6, 17, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Come on, how many of you know you got to use your sword if you want to win your battles? You got to learn how to use your sword. Imagine what would happen if, if Joshua showed up on the battlefield without any weapons. He would have got defeated. And I think some of us, we're getting defeated as Christians because we're not using our sword. God has given us the authority. He's given us the sword. But the problem is, is that we're not using it. We're not using our sword. Why would we ever step on the battlefield and try to live victorious without using the sword? It doesn't make sense. We need to use our sword to live in victory. When, remember when Jesus faced the greatest battle of his life in the wilderness, and Satan came to tempt him. Remember what he said? It is written. What was he quoting? The word of God. See, so it's not just good enough to hear the word preached now and then. You got to know the word. The word's got to be in you. See, he didn't have time to say, would somebody get me a Bible? The enemy's coming against me. He needed to grab. He had it inside of him. He didn't need to grab a physical Bible. The word was written on his heart and he just quoted it and he said, it is written, amen. Come on. If you learn to be able, if you learn to know where it is written, then you can use your sword in the battle. Amen. Y'all believe that this morning? That's why it's so important that you learn to, to read your Bible and learn to know Bible and know chapter and verse. See, some of us, you know, I heard, I heard the story of this guy that, uh, he was, he wanted to be a business guy. And, um, and there was a guy that was very wealthy, very successful in business. And he said, would you mentor me so I can be successful in business? Cause I want to be a businessman. And he said, sure. So he met with him, had lunch. And so after lunch, he, he talked to his dad and his dad said, well, how did lunch go? He said, I don't know about this guy. He said, well, what do you mean you don't know? He said, well, man, he told me that he wouldn't mentor me unless I was willing to memorize two scriptures a week. Well, if you multiply that, it's a lot of scripture, right? He said, listen, you cannot be successful unless you learn the word of God. And, uh, you know, I know you want these principles of business, but what you need to know is the word of God. Amen. When Joshua was getting ready to lead the children of Israel into the promised land, he said, don't get discouraged or dismayed. He said, what you need to do is meditate on the word of God and make sure you do everything that's written in it. And then you will have your, then your way will be successful and you will prosper in everything that you do. Amen. I thought I need to start memorizing some scripture. Come on, I know some. I want to know more. What about you? How many of you want to live in victory? Of course you do. Everybody does. When Jesus faced his greatest battle, 
You need the Word of God. It is written. Now listen, I believe that you can live in victory. I know some of you right now, I'm out here, you know, ranting and raving, and you out here and you got something very troubling. You're going through a great battle in your life. And I'm not just up here ranting and raving and saying that it doesn't work out there in the pew and in life. I'm saying what I'm sharing with you today about Easter Sunday, about the empty tomb, works in life. It works in life. If we'll just take the time to apply it, it'll work in your life. Amen. It'll work in your life. Can you live in victory despite what you're going through? Yes. Amalek was the strongest tribe out there. God gave the children of Israel victory. God will give you victory. God will give you victory, right? He's going to give you victory. And I want to just want to encourage you. I don't know what kind of trial you're going through right now, but I want you to know that you can get through your trial. Listen, if Jesus can get somebody that's dead out of the grave, I believe he can get you through what you're going through. Amen. Because when I think about what I'm going through and about the power, the, the, the uh, challenge of get, raising somebody in the dead, listen, if he can raise somebody from the dead, I believe he can give me victory in my life. Amen. He can give me joy this morning. What about you? Come on. I believe he can give me a breakthrough right in the middle of the dark valley I'm going through. Amen. I believe he can give you the victory. Why? Because I believe in the word of God. The sword of the spirit tells me you can live in victory. Amen. The Bible tells me, whatever, regardless of what kind of trial you're going through, in Luke 18, 27, Jesus replied, what is impossible with men is possible with God. That's what the Bible says. What's impossible with man, what no man can get you out of, God can get you out of. See, this guy that went to trial, he couldn't go and erase his sentence he couldn't go talk them people into forgiving him. Most people will just try to give, you know, put the knife on the juggler, right? But all of a sudden, why did God just all of a sudden change this person's heart? What motivated them to forgive this guy? Maybe God, maybe the work of the Lord, as he was raising his hands towards heaven, and say, God, I need your help. Are y'all following me here? Listen. The scripture says that you can win your battle. In Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. Would you do me a favor and would you just stand with me right now? And I want you, when you stand, I want you to just close your eyes for a moment. And I want to encourage you not to move around, just to stay still for a moment. And let's just respect this moment right now in this place. Everything may be going okay in your life, but for some others, it's not, it's not going okay. And they need to be encouraged this morning. And they need God to, to work in their life this morning. Would you just close your eyes with me for just a moment? How many of you this morning, are you going through a battle? And maybe you walked in here going a come with the mindset of that, man, I'm defeated. There's no, there's no solution. There's no, there's no chance. This is over. This is done. I'm done. Maybe, maybe this morning the Lord is just challenging you to not throw in the towel, not give up on the, on the possibility of having victory in your life, having joy in your life instead of discouragement or depression. You say, but Todd, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I've experienced. No, I don't. And I don't want to make little of where you are or what you're going through. But I want to remind you of the God that we serve. 
He's a big God. He's a great God. He's a mighty God. He's an awesome God. And he wants to give you a breakthrough. He wants to give you victory. He wants to raise you up. He wants to pull you out of that, that, that dead spot, that tomb, that grave. He wants to give you eternal life, resurrecting life, supernatural life. He wants to give you a miracle. The question is, do you believe? Do you believe that he can do it? Do you believe that he can pull you out? Father, I pray right now over this congregation, Spirit of the Lord, I pray that you just move through through this place and that you would touch every heart, touch every life. Lord, I don't know what everyone is dealing with. Some are dealing with internal struggles. Some are dealing with character struggles. Some are dealing with relational struggles. Some are dealing with financial struggles. Lord, some are dealing with emotional struggles. Lord, regardless of the struggle, I know that you can give them the breakthrough. With God, all things are possible. And I pray right now that the supernatural power of God just be released right now. I want to take a moment and just, just begin to worship the Lord. I want to take a moment to just celebrate the resurrection this morning. Come on, the name of the Lord is a high tower. The righteous run unto it and they are safe. The name of the Lord is a high tower. The righteous run unto it and they are safe. Come on, the Lord is a, is a refuge this morning. The Lord is a safe place. Just take a moment right now to just, just to surrender to the Lordship. Just surrender to the, to the power and the presence of God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for just releasing your grace right now. Thank you, Lord, for just releasing your power and your presence right now. Thank you, Father God. Now, before we go... If you would, just close your eyes, bow your head with me one more moment. If you're going through a difficult time and and you need victory in your life right now because of a battle that you're facing of some sort, could we just do like Moses did and just lift our hands towards heaven and ask God for his help? If you would, just lift your hands towards heaven right now. And I want to pray with you. I want to agree with you that God knows the trouble you're in, the battle that you're in, the enemy that's coming to assail you and to keep you from God's promises and provisions. And I want to pray with you right now that the resurrecting power of Jesus would come upon you right now in Jesus' name. Father, I pray for every hand that is lifted up right now. And I pray the supernatural touch of God. Lord, I pray depression, discouragement. Lord, I pray right now the circumstances that are keeping people from moving into victory would change right now. Lord, I'm declaring it by faith in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, that a miracle is happening in this room right now. In Jesus' name. Now, I want you to just do me a favor and just receive. Come on, just receive. Come on, the rod of God is in your hand. Come on, the rod of God, the authority of God is in your hand. Come on, the word of the Lord is in your hand. Come on, you're not failing, you're succeeding. Come on, you're not defeated, you're victorious. Come on, I, with, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. With, what's impossible with man is possible with God. Come on, declare right now the word of the Lord over yourself right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, let the power of the Holy Spirit just come upon you. Come on, let the strength of the Lord come upon you right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You can just put your hand down for just a moment. Now listen, I just want to get just real, as real as I can with you this morning. For 22 years, I went through Easter after Easter, dying Easter eggs, eating Easter candy, boiling crawfish, all those things that we do around Easter, and never really grasping the truth of what I just shared with you 
Consequently, I never lived the kind of life that the Lord wanted me to live. It wasn't until I heard the good news that Easter is more than just a celebration of something Jesus did years ago. Easter is about the power of God to change your life today. Listen, I believed in God. I prayed, but I'd never surrendered to Jesus. I'd never sincerely asked Him to forgive my sins. Listen, nothing happens until you cross the line, until you put your faith and your trust in Him. When Moses lifted his hand, he gave God everything. Some of you in this room right now, you need to give God your everything. You need to ask him to forgive your sins. You need to ask him to wash you. You need to give your life to Christ. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me will live even though he dies. Listen, I just don't want to be victorious here. I want to be victorious after I die. I want to live on the streets of gold. And I know you do too. So listen, with your heads bowed, if you hear today and you say, Todd, I'm not sure that when I die, I'm going to heaven. But I want to make sure. I don't want to go through another Easter and not, not experience the power of Easter, the power of the resurrection. I want to make sure my sins are completely forgiven. I'm ready to surrender to Jesus today. If that's you, would you just do me a favor and just raise your hand. Just raise your hand so I can see it. I see your hand anywhere else. Just raise your hand just as an indication. I see your hand. I see your hand. Just raise it just and saying, God, I'm saying to you, I see your hand back here. I see your hand over here. Come on, just raise your hand and say, this is the day. Come on, this is the day. Lord, I'm ready to give my all to you. Now listen, those of you that raised your hand, I want you to just pray this prayer. We're all going to pray together. And just say this with me, Lord Jesus. I believe you died on the cross. And I believe you shed your blood so my sins could be forgiven. Lord Jesus, I'm putting my faith in you. I'm putting my trust in you. Lord, I believe that you died on the cross so sin's power could be broken off of my life. And I'm asking you to do that. I'm asking you to forgive me and to cleanse me from all my sins. I choose this day to surrender my all to you. Thank you, Jesus, for accepting me into your family. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen and amen. 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 Now listen, those of you that raised your hand and prayed that prayer, listen, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Listen, we have a gift for you. If you go to the lobby, into the info center, we have a Bible for you. We have a gift for you just to kind of get you jump started on your journey. Thank you for being here. Thank you for surrendering. Thank you for giving your life. Don't forget, the Lord is our victory. Amen. Let me pray a blessing over you. Father, I pray the favor and blessing of the Lord over the people of God today. In the mighty and the strong name of Jesus, I pray. And everybody that agreed said, God bless you. You're dismissed.